Hey loves, this is Constance DeGroat, and I'm here today with Amanda White from Break Up With Your Mother. So I'm so excited to talk with you again after we talked last year. So much has changed and I had a chance to work with you, which was amazing. I learned so much about myself and I learned how to trust myself again because I was living out of fear before and mm -hmm. I, I learned how to trust my intuition again, which is like, you know, the what do I want? What do I need? That was a huge part of the questions that you gave. And I'm so thankful. Oh my I God. <laughs> it's so good to hear that. Could you tell me about the origin of your company's name, Break Up With Your Mother? I mean, it makes more sense to me now, like the more that I've healed and the, like, the longer I've like, been coaching. But in the beginning, I was like struggling so hard to figure out like a domain name for my website. And I was like, oh my God, what the fuck am I going to call this? I didn't want to call it my name. I wanted to call it something different. And I remember at the time I was watching the show, um, how to get away with murder and like no direct correlation, but I was like, what if I did like how to break up with your mother and not just like, Oh, because you need like that physical separation, but more so like the voice inside your head, which like, if you've been through any type of narcissistic abuse, like you obviously understand like that person inside of you that controls all of your movements and emotions and thoughts and decisions. So it's just the truth Like you can't physically put your body through so much chaos and then mentally think you're going to be okay. Right. Like it's all connected. And I think some of us think, Oh, if I move 2000 miles away, I'll be fine. And I'll just talk to her occasionally, which is totally everyone, like everyone make their own decision. I'm not like the person that's like, you need to do this in order to be healthy. But I feel if you're still going to engage in any sort of toxic or chaotic situation, like you, you still have all that noise in your brain, you know, and that noise affects your ability to connect with your intuition, which is so the biggest issue, right? With all of us is that we don't know, like we have always have had it, but we never knew that's what it was at, that that was what was communicating to us. Oh, that's what a red flag feels like. That's what it feels like when I'm uncomfortable or this is what it feels like to feel good, right? We have literally zero fucking clue because our whole lives have been somebody else tells us what's right and wrong. Somebody else tells us what's okay, not okay. Right. So it's like we have, if we don't take time to like detangle, which I'm sure you're able to achieve, like probably slowly, I'm sure taking yourself out of that environment, even though I'm sure you were super misunderstood and maybe you were super criticized, like to be able to still like stay true to that hope of like, no, I'm going to like detox from this, I think just shows like, holy shit strength for you. Thank you. And you reminded me, I used to, this sounds so bad. I used to, my mom. So I mastered to the point that my mom couldn't see I was hurting that I could cry on one side in the car and she would never know that this side was all tears. Like I got to a point where I could master that. Like the side not facing her was all tears going down. And I would just jump out the car and she would slow down for me to at least get out. Because when I went started going to therapy, she would be like, what are you doing? Talking about me and stuff like that. And it was interesting because all my sexual abuse that started in middle school and went into high school like it came to rooting to her when we started mm. talking. So she obviously stopped me from going. She decided it wasn't good for me. Of course not. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That also shows like, wow, how much work it takes to like just get through the day when you're in a situation like that. For you to be able to cry on one, I mean, I just want to be like, holy fuck how, right? Like the fact that you even were in that situation where you like had to release something, but like weren't safe enough or felt comfortable enough to truly be vulnerable in that moment. It just says so much about like, this is so bad for me. 
Well, my mom would tell me I look ugly when I cry. So there's always that. Oh my God. Then there's that. So then of course you don't cry, right? Right. Wow. But then that kind of like totally takes you out of like ever just having authentic emotion. Right. And that's really important. It's so important, especially if we want to have like real relationships and a relationship with ourselves. Most importantly, like if we don't feel our full spectrum, like we won't ever truly know what it feels like to be alive. Right. And we'll always have fear of feeling certain things, which will like dictate the rest of our lives. And we don't want that. We don't want to be like under, like in a position where like something else controls you. If that makes sense. Oh no, it does. And you don't even need that person to be around anymore to have it control you still. It's so interesting. Like you will never be able to be mentally independent until you physically put yourself in an environment where you can actually give yourself a chance had to write something for a speech. I, I don't know if I'll keep this in here, but I had to write something for a speech that I'm doing on how, um, like, like your chakra that's connected to sexual, like pleasure. That's also connected when you think about it to your own self-expression outside the world. Like how fake are you being like, who comes first? Like, so mm. I think of myself early on having sex, like whose pleasure came first. It wasn't mine for sure. No, totally. <laughs> Because you're not, you're not taught to think of yourself first. You're not taught to think about, well, you, you deserve to have your needs addressed too. Right. You, yeah, that's, I guess that's, that is kind of where, like, when you think about it, that's where you can link the sexual abuse from. Like, no one taught you that how you feel matters. So, you, yes. like, the boundaries that had to be crossed at home, you just let it happen then too. So true. And it's, I remember there were so many times with my mom, especially when my dad came back, and I was so uncomfortable because it was so confusing for me. He came back when my... I was 11 and I remember like just being so confused and uncomfortable, but my mom like forced the affection. Right. And I just dealt with it because it was to make her happy. Right. That was her vision. And I didn't want, like you said, like get the wrath of her, right. And her be disappointed. And then our whole day be ruined. But I, like what you just said, it's like, it essentially taught me that even if I'm uncomfortable, I still have to put up with it because somebody else matters more than I do. Exactly. Which is so, 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 so interesting that, especially with men, like how they felt was more important than how I felt and whatever, even it, and especially if they were feeling any type of negative way, it was up to me to make it right. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, so, so, so true. It's all connected. Yeah. It's actually interesting. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm sure so many of us are in situations like that yeah. and we don't realize like that's, you know, when you're forced to be uncomfortable and you're not, you don't have the freedom of expression to speak up because you're afraid. And you're also just like, okay, well, makes everyone else happy. Then I'll just like suck it up. Then of course, that's how you're going to behave as you get older. You're just going to be, you're going to let yourself be in situations that you know aren't right. Or maybe that you like aren't ideal for you. It's unfortunate too. It ends up being something, you know, physical or sexual because you don't feel like you have a choice. Have you dated anyone that's like your mother or father with common traits that you've seen? I know it's not right away you realize this. (laughs) No, totally. Like some of them more physically unavailable, emotionally unavailable, or just like unavailable to like conflict. Like it just, it's so interesting looking back now and I'm like, well, of course I did because it was familiar energy and it was just how I was used to operating and I was used to overcompensating and like being very anxious and always worrying about like if I was perfect enough, like they're behaving a certain way because I'm not doing enough, you know, and I kind of like just crafted my whole dating and friendship and work life around like that type of mentality. 
So looking back now, yeah, 100%. I was in the gutter for a long time. I have to ask, like, do you think that unavailability that you see in those people you had in yourself in some way? Totally. Yeah. Because I think what the craziest thing was, and I essentially was dating this guy who had like a total like other life. Right. And I, of course, my intuition was like on fire for a majority of the time. Right. But I was so disconnected. I didn't listen to it and I wanted what I wanted. Right. So I was like, I'm going to get what I want. I of course attracted someone who lived a double life because I was doing the same thing. Right. I had this like social persona where I was like super perfect and together and I had all these achievements and I like had my hair done and my nails done. I was so good at like manipulating other people's perceptions of me because that's essentially what I was taught to do that. And, but at my, at home, I was fucking miserable. Right. And I was constantly in arguments and constantly stressed out and worried about this, worried about that and never knowing what I was going to face every day, but I never talked about it. So it was like, I had this double life of like, everything's great. Everything's fine. I have this great family and we do all of these things when in actuality it was the exact opposite, but my shame and like the attachment to like my worth that I had to my home situation, like kept me from like truly embodying like the truth, I guess. (laughs) So it makes sense. I kept it. Of course I was unavailable in some way. And I think, right. No, none of these guys were going to be like, I want to know more about you. I really see you. What excites you? What do you look like? what do you want in the future? It was all about just like, what sort of purpose could I serve at that time? And I was good at doing that. At the time I was just like, oh wow, these guys are just pieces of shit. But later on I had to realize like your external reality is in some sort of way a reflection of your internal reality. And like, I mean, you can't take responsibility for other people, but there is responsibility in like, okay, if this keeps showing up for me, how is this a reflection of me? Or what is it that I'm avoiding? that I'm attracting people who are avoiding something similar. That makes sense. That really does. And I love that you touched on, um, they wanted you, but not necessarily that um, you wanted them. Yeah. Something I find very common in my old relationships, it's that feeling that no one wants me that I want. So then you take whatever there is. Yeah, totally. And I think when I look back on it, it was like my life was going so fast, but not really, but internally, because I was always on, right? Always thinking and always strategizing and always like worried about what somebody else thought. And I just, yeah, like not thinking I'm good enough, right? And I'm never going to have this or I'm never going to have that. And not necessarily like conscious thoughts, but that's subconsciously what I thought. And so when someone showed interest in me, most often I was like, wow, like I must be great right? Not really being discerning and being like, well, what is their value system? Like, how do they handle conflict? Like all of the clarity I have now definitely didn't have back then, but I totally understand what you're saying and can relate. I mean, and also I want to say most of the guys that were interested in me were involved with other women, like before, like quote unquote, we got together, right? Now I can look at that and I'm like, well, of course, right? Because my, I was like, if a guy's with a girl and he likes me and he finds me attractive, I must really be something, right? Which is like so, I don't want to say like wrong. I mean, it is wrong, very wrong, but like so backwards, right? But it was almost like I was attracted to it, like this, his unavailability in that sense. And then it was almost like, well, if he can leave her and see that I'm better, I must be better, right? I was basing all of my worth on this one person's decision-making, not thinking like how he handled that may have not have been appropriate. Like what makes me special that he won't do that shit to me. And like, imagine how that girl feels, right? Like that it's just so many, many boundaries were crossed. And I was just so wrapped up in like 
having somebody else fill that void for me and making me feel good that, I mean, it was just a mess. Like there's so much, and I can understand why so many people end up in relationships like this because before you're conscious and you actually like are willing to be aware of your part, like you'll just keep repeating and repeating and repeating it. And it's really painful. You realize that you're stuck in place later on because there was someone else in the relationship with that person. And mm. also that you're stuck in place to yourself. That's what we don't realize in the situation. <laughs> One million percent. I think when, if, in my personal opinion, if someone's like in else is in a relationship and I was attracted to them, it was nobody's ever really being fully chosen, right? It's just like someone always thinking the grass is greener. And I know that sounds cheesy, but it's not. The grass is greener, like literally where you water it and you nurture it and you grow together. And like a real full human being has the appropriate conversations if a relationship is not working, right? So it's like if to, for me to think or for anyone to think that, oh, he must be choosing me. I'm number one. I'm the main priority. Like his discomfort is the main priority, right? And whatever is going to fill that discomfort or whatever is going to alleviate whatever stories are happening in that moment, which is most of those relationships, there's a lot of drugs and alcohol, most likely, right? Because to be sober and present is so threatening, right? You have to like constantly fill that time. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're not number one to yourself either because like real relationships take time, right? And like trust is built, the friendship is built. And like, there's real questions that we need to ask is, especially as women, right? We like, don't feel worthy of being like, kind of just laying it all like being super upfront in the beginning. We kind of just let the guy like, kind of lead the way and determine like how serious we are when we're serious, what we want, like how we operate, what we wear, we kind of just like, release all of this control and power. But I understand like if you came from a background where all of the decisions were made for you or all of your decisions were criticized, you kind of like, you never developed that self agency or that confidence or that assurance that like, no, I know myself, I know what I want. And it's okay if you don't want that too, but I am going to walk away from this. I think we just assume somebody else knows what's best. And especially if someone is willing to dictate all of our movements, we kind of see that as love. Or like he must really care when really it's just like, no, that's the father figure that like you're looking for that person. to like, it's like a fairy tale. That's not really a fairy tale because it usually ends up in a nightmare anyway, which I'm sure you understand. And I understand too. Oh yeah. I definitely understand that. In um, when I worked with you, we went over mothering yourself now instead of mm. looking for that mom figure still for your mom totally. to be just anyone in your life. You don't really need that. So how do you mother yourself now? true nurturing, like from the inside out and like really, really being gentle with myself. If I know like I'm going down a shame spiral or like I'm just feeling really shitty or judgmental or really down on myself or like if I'm forcing myself to work out and I'm actually really tired, I just like really try to like be like, it's okay. You know, feel what you feel, like be true to yourself. Your achievements don't you know, dictate your worth or like, it's okay if you don't get everything done today. And I kind of just like really, which I assume a mother figure would be like, right. Who would be gentle and available to you and just really have like your well being as like, you know, their main priority. So I try to just like play that role, especially if I'm like, just so caught up in the do, do, do and like being productive. I think it's really important to like have that aspect to be able to just be like, it's okay to slow down. Like, it's okay. Just go slow and enjoy your life. Right. And not, which is just like the advice I give to myself over and over. Like life is meant to be enjoyed. 
I've gone through your amazing transformative program. Your program has evolved from when we first spoke. I'd love for you to share more about your own evolution and how that led to your program evolving and including great programs like NLP. I mean, when I first started, like just to be super upfront, like I, I had no fucking clue what I was doing, right? Like I knew what worked for me, but at the same time, when I first started, I was still living with my mom at that time, right? I was living like, I mean, which was wild, right? To think that I'm like creating this whole, I mean, it was wild, I guess I will say, because I was taught to just, you know, keep up with an image, right? And her feelings were more important than my process my entire life, right? I had never told the truth because I just, I just kept it to myself. And plus I have a twin sister and we've just have, thank God, have always had each other where I just didn't require that sort of like ex, you know, if I was alone as an only child, especially, or if I had siblings that I didn't get along with, I can imagine I would have talked about it more, but in my own situation, thankfully I had her. But anyway, in the beginning, I just remember being like, I felt so passionate about it because I was so tired of like filling out all of these applications for jobs and like my resume having like literally nothing about what it takes for me to like get through the day. Right. I had like all of these achievements and internships and like super prestigious jobs to like talk about, but I'm like, this isn't me. Right. I had spent my whole life thinking that was me. And I would like moved all the way to Los Angeles and I was going to be this big, badass girl, whatever. I don't even know what the fucking vision was. My point being is I was like, this is what matters to me. Like it was so difficult in my situation, like financially, emotionally, spiritually. I never thought I was going to get out. I never, ever thought I could do what I'm doing now in turn, not even just business wise, like personal, the way that I think, the way that I act, the way that I carry myself the way I'm able to communicate like my emotions, like I never thought I would be there. So when I finally started like really seeing like the fruits of my labor, I just wanted all of it out. Right. I was like, I just need to, I just want to help. And I just want to let everyone know that if your mom told you, like my mom had told me, you will never make it on your own. You were not smart enough and doubted every single one of your ideas. It's a fucking lie. I was so passionate. I remember being so emotional and writing on my website, like my first blog. And I was just like bawling my eyes out. My tried my best to like create a program and like all of these weeks and all of this content. And I really like my biggest objective was just like, how can I take away the fear? Right. And how can I make this easier? Because so many of us like hold back. I mean, there's so many reasons, but I was like, I want to be a resource. Right. And most importantly for someone to be like, you're not wrong and you're not crazy. Just that sentence alone is so healing, right? Especially from somebody who's been in your situation. That was like my main objective. But the more like I continued on, and I'm just going to be super honest, the more I continued on, I started to see that like not everybody was like me. And not that I was looking for like the exact replica of me because that, I mean, that's foolish. It's not possible. My point being is not everybody wants to heal right? And it's just like, it, it is what it is, right? And I understand that aspect, but to be around people who just want to like bitch and complain and stay in victimization, it's like harmful for someone, at least in my position, because I mean, at least at that time too, I was so sensitive to energy. I wasn't far enough away from the relationship with my mom where I didn't really see that I was still playing the convincing game, right? And I was still convincing people of like what they should be doing, right? Like when before I was convincing people that like my situation was real and my pain was real, where now I was convincing people to heal, right? And I was like, 
it doesn't have to be this hard. So I essentially, I mean, I just got really clear on like my messaging and my social media and all, I mean, it took so much effort and so much time and so much vulnerability. And I mean, it was all worth it. Right. But my point being is now I've gotten to a point where like, I know exactly who I'm talking to. Obviously I met someone as great as you people who are aware and have the education of what has happened. Cause I don't want to be in charge of like the expert of narcissism because I'm not, I'm the expert of like my personal situation and like having a mother like that, like, and I've gotten out of it. That's the point A to point B that I can share. Right. I don't want to be like the expert. on. I just, there's so many amazing people who do that already. And it's just like, doesn't feel good to me. I, I was able to get to a point where I was like, okay, I don't have to teach anybody anything other than empowerment. Right. And I started to get really clear and I had like all of these clients and I was just learning from them. Like, what do they respond to? What's like, of, do they like workbooks? Do they like videos? Do they like this? Do they like that? Like, what does this woman that I want to work with essentially, ideally people that like had the same mindset as me, but not everyone is the same as me. Right. So it was like, I had to learn. I took so much time and eventually I came up with my program now, which is the scapegoat daughter's guide. And I just like simplified it and condensed it in a way that I was like hitting all of these pain points that are not just about the relationship with the mother. Right. It's like, our relationship with ourselves. Like, I don't want to say like, fuck the relationship with the mother, but more so like, we have to stop obsessing about that. Right. And stop like obsessing with the articles and getting all this information. You know, we have enough information. It's just like, how do we implement, like what actions can we take to start seeing the results of all of this work we've put in, you know, starting with the foundation of the identity and understanding boundaries and your relationship with self-sabotage and fear and self-doubt. I mean, and forgiveness we kind of just like all break it down so we can like build a whole person so you can like walk away from the program actually feeling like a real human being not just like you know a shell of a human being that's just like people pleasing and who's resentful and angry and sad and just like doesn't know how they're going to get up tomorrow morning you know which I feel like so many of us end up becoming those people and we settle in relationships and we do shit we don't want to do we're in jobs we fucking hate and I just want to my goal was and continues to be like, I want to be that resource and just that like example. Like it doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't have to be that hard. Your whole life doesn't have to be defined. Like I didn't have a great mother, you know, and that's okay. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. I mean, it means a lot, but at the same time, it doesn't mean anything about you. Right. And what you're capable of and like your value and your worthiness, or just the fact that you can say like, I didn't have a great mom. For me, it was, I see it as a greater purpose. Like I was chosen for my situation, you know, by the universe, whoever the higher power is, right? I was chosen to be in this situation. Every obstacle I have, have had and continue to have, like, it's for me, right? But that's also a perspective shift that, like, I have adopted because I'm so fucking tired of feeling sorry for myself. I'm like, it is what it is. So how can I turn this pain into purpose? How can I turn it into power? That's really, I mean, that's what my program's about. That's what I'm about. And that's just what I've continued to do, right? Like, it's not just me, like, being a resource for others. I also had to take care of myself, which was, like, the really, really, really big learning lesson for me. I mean, I have to walk my talk. Otherwise, it's going to be inauthentic, you know? And who wants to, like, build a business where you're preaching one thing and you're doing another. So it's just been a lot of growth, a lot of healing, a lot of just figuring out like what works, what doesn't, and what do like women in our position actually want. So I feel like I'm finally in a really good place with that. So you talked about being vulnerable. So when you're vulnerable in the household with your narcissist parent or parents, it's very different from being vulnerable now in the real world or being called sensitive. 
So how do you feel about those terms now compared to when you were a child? Mm. Like sensitive, hearing that you're sensitive or hearing that you're being vulnerable. Like When I was younger, I was definitely, I mean, I've always been a very emotional person, but I think I've always let like logic rule everything because whenever I would question something or I would get upset about something, there was either like punishment, I was dismissed, um, I was gaslit, all of those things, right? So I was, it was confusing, but I had like so much, I remember feeling like so much rage, right? And because I had no channel for it, instead of being vulnerable and like, A, I didn't have this like a, an environment to be vulnerable, but instead of being like, or having that safe space to be like, I'm upset right now. This really hurting me. I'm really confused. I just turned it into anger. Right. And so, so much of my life, I was very angry, but anger became like my anger and rage really like became my like armor. It was how I defended myself. And I was very aggressive verbally. I was very, I was like aggressive physically too and not always but like I definitely like had like this violent energy inside of me because I and I always but then I assumed I was a piece of shit right because that was the feedback I got there was no like understanding of like what's really going on right what is built up inside of you right nobody I don't want to say nobody gave a shit but I think in order for someone to really see me in that moment as a child as adolescent as a teenager they would have to see themselves right and also it's like learned behavior that's what I learned from my parents was when you're upset, you freak out and you lash out and you like cut people at the knees. Right. So that was behavior I also had learned. And it was also where I felt powerful. So for so much of my life, I would say even in my early twenties, like that was my most comfortable emotion. And even when I wanted to be vulnerable, I just didn't trust anybody to like hold the space for me. But I also, if I'm, you know, if I turn it back inward, I also just didn't feel comfortable like being that person, right? It was almost like I had developed shame around it because the shame was projected on me for being emotional or being sensitive or for having needs essentially. So even when I want, had friendships or relationships where I was like, I, I, you know, in order to be vulnerable is like to have, you know, it's like, I mean, I think Renee Brown says this, like it's, having the courage to ask for what you want or to stand there and not know the outcome. Right. And I just couldn't get there. I was so afraid of rejection and abandonment that I just couldn't break that barrier. Right. So I was like loving enough, quote unquote, have what I had in my life, but nothing ever, it was never true intimacy or true connection because I couldn't do it. I also was so disconnected from myself. So now as I've healed, everything's different, right? It's like, I'm such an emotional person and I'm like, I'm even still learning to like listen to my intuition, to listen to my body too. Cause I've just, I've always been like logic first, whatever makes the most sense. I make my decisions for my mind. I, even when I'm in an environment that I'm like unfamiliar with or I'm out in public, like it's all my mind. Right. And I have to like, remember like you're safe. I'm in control. Right. And because I felt so insecure when I was younger and I felt like I don't know. I think I carried this like dialogue that I was a liar and I was manipulative and I wasn't going to be anything and I didn't have enough to be proud of myself that I kind of just like skated around any sort of like real personal question. So now I'm like, there's nothing to be ashamed of. Like I am who I am. I like what I like. I don't like what I don't like. I'm so comfortable in my own skin. And it doesn't mean that I'm like super vulnerable and emotional all the time because I'm definitely not. So I don't want to say like, I don't want to give off like a misconception, but more so like I'm softer 
if that makes sense. I'm so much more comfortable with emotion. I'm so much more comfortable seeing somebody else who's emotional in a sense where it's like, I don't have to solve the problem for them, which is mostly what I would do when I was younger. That was like my value, right? If I can solve your problem, if I can save you, then you won't leave, right? Where now it's like, I can just witness them. I'm so comfortable in my own space. And I've seen so much of myself go from like, you know, true, true, true despair to like ultimate joy that like, I have so much to say, so much space to hold, so much like love to give. I had to deprogram all of the bullshit that was told to me. In addition to like, I had to like love me and I had to get to know myself for the first time and be like, am I emotional? Am I sensitive? Like maybe I am sensitive. Who fucking cares? Right? Like that's who I am. You know, I just had to really become the expert of me and then love those parts of me where now I feel, I mean, it's probably why coaching like ends up being like such a great career opportunity for me because I'm not afraid of the grief, right? I'm not afraid of the, the dark side of it because I felt it before, before I was like comfortable with my emotions, I thought everything was like about me in a sense, like everyone's behavior was about me because I was so uncomfortable asking for clarity. I was so uncomfortable being curious or just stepping outside of that, that now it's like, I can see someone in their own moment. They're frustrated. You know, it's just like a full experience. I'm just like, it's not about me. Like they're in their own stuff, you know? And even if it is about me, like we can have a conversation when before I would just like rage out, right? And I'd be like, you're not going to talk to me like that. And you're a piece of shit. Or I would just react because I was so sensitive to criticism or perceived judgment that now it's just like, I have so much space internally that I can not only like hold space for others, but like I have that pause before I'm like jumping down somebody's throat, which I never, ever, ever, if anyone who's listening to this or ends up listening to this is like a rage monster, like I was too. I never, ever, ever fucking thought I was going to be in this position. So that has been like the biggest, like unexpected thing that has happened in terms of being comfortable with vulnerability and being emotional or being sensitive about things. And it's also like the key to feeling, truly feeling alive, right? If you are afraid of your emotions and you resist certain things, like, I mean, you live your life in fear, right? And resistance and like, there's no intimacy, there's no connection, there's no like real joy, in my opinion. It's like, I feel like you can access so much more once you kind of just like move through it and do the work behind it. What I do have to thank you for is um, being that clarity for me because you're talking about the anger and the rage and you gave me a lot of clarity to get through that. You were grounding me in when I needed it most. So a reminder that people are just people and that the present is far better moments to create my own opportunities than living in the fear of tomorrow or tormenting myself with the past decisions. So we can create our own definitions, interpretations, language, language around things. That's what you're referring to is that you create your own definition of what something is like the dishes for me, we've gone over before the dishes are just dishes right now. They're not my mother and my worth over doing or not doing the dishes because it doesn't matter if I did them or not. I was still a shitty human being to her because her needs weren't being met. That had nothing to do with the fucking dishes. So it's a reminder to myself, like as funny as it is that what is that like pile of dishes right now that I have to do? They're just dishes. That's it. No emotional attachment. They're not my rage. They're not my anger, my sadness or my work. So it's it's just so so true. Oh my God. And I thank you so much for articulating that. It like brings me so much joy, like borderline tears, like hearing that because I know I, I mean, I've been there and I get it. 
And I'm so grateful that I was able to like hold space for you during that period. Thank you. I know the main thing that you were trying to say before was that you're talking about projection. When, when you're angry, it's understanding that you're not those things that they say you are because they're projecting who they are on you so that you go kind of like crazy and you think that you're the wrong person. 100%. But you don't get there, that, turn, that clarity that you're referencing, that if, unless you create space from like living in a war zone, right? It's like you can't like get deployed overseas and then expect to like heal from the combat while you're still there. You know, it's just like, it doesn't make sense. You can't keep opening and closing your heart. You can't keep fighting every day and over explaining and over analyzing and strategizing and then create space within, right? To see things objectively, like you mentioned the dishes, right? You never would have had that clarity to understand like, you know what? It doesn't fucking matter if I do it or not. Like there's a lose-lose, right? It's just like, it's about control and it's about like, projection of like shame or whatever the fuck she was thinking about the dishes or what she her view of not doing them or doing them is or how she felt about herself she put on you but you wouldn't have gained that clarity had you not taken the space right and given yourself literally the physical opportunity alone to be like even though I know there's an addiction to suffering and addiction to chaos when you pull yourself out of that but like to give yourself the opportunity to know like what is it like not being questioned like that all the time, not worrying about that, being able to see someone else's behavior, even though they've hurt you so much, being able to see it as like, and even though it was wrong and you shouldn't tolerate it ever, I don't want to suggest that. My point being like, you wouldn't be able to gain that clarity had you not have given yourself the time and the space and the permission to not go through it anymore. You reminded me of our last interview. I asked you, what are you giving yourself permission to do right now? Is there anything? For me? Yeah, for you, anything new? Oh my God, so much. (laughs) I think for me, the permission is to, first of all, the first thing is to have more fucking fun, right? And not fun in the way everyone else thinks is fun and like put it on Instagram and like try to prove that like I'm super cool and I have a super cool life, right? Like fuck that, I don't want to do that. My point being is like figure out what fun is to me and do more of that. Like be more in like that vibration. Be less rigid and productivity focus, which I've always been. And I find so much comfort in being like clean and organized and productive and having my to-do list done. I have to earn the fun, right? It was, that was always my mindset because that's what I was taught. Now it's just like, it takes so much mindfulness for me to be like, it's okay. Step away, like enjoy it. You don't have to multitask all of the time to feel like you're worthy of like watching TV. Permission to not worry about everyone else all the fucking time me having to perform or worry about like having to be something for somebody else to make sure like their day is okay or having to be like that super like involved conversationalist like when I don't have the energy to be it's like giving myself the permission to be exactly where I'm at and I enjoy I mean it gets it's scary sometimes right because there are consequences there's conversations you have to have but at the same time, it's so fucking liberating also what helps too if anyone's listening whenever I have resistance towards like getting out of my comfort zone or doing what I know I should do, even though I'm like so afraid. I'm like, what, where is the evidence that says, A, that I can't do this, right? There is no evidence. If I've gotten to this fucking point after all that I've gone through, the evidence is only proving that like, this is just my next level, right? My next thing. There's no evidence that says I can't do it. I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not worthy enough, right? That was just all bullshit programming. 
I mean, the programming comes up all the time, right? It's not like we reach this like healing milestone and we don't have those thoughts anymore, right? Or we don't have that conditioning. I mean, maybe 10 years from now, I'll have a different conversation about that. But at this point, it's like, it's just about being mindful and reminding myself, like, have more fun, be more flexible, go with the fucking flow. It's okay if plans change. That's been like my main focus. I love that. That's really hard to do. Yes, it really is. Thank you for understanding. So many groups look at avoidance as boundaries. Mm. Avoidance is not the same thing. It's something I learned from you. Sometimes we don't have the luxury of cutting out narcissists from our lives. Cutting people out of our lives can be addicting, which we've touched on a little bit here. Totally. We can become lost in putting other people's wants and needs first, like we have our whole lives with our parents also. So how do we create boundaries and trust ourselves to maintain them without, you know, going back into those wants and needs of others Mm. and also, you know, like trying to cut someone out of our lives as that's the solution because we could be missing out on a good relationship there. Just deciding like, oh, that person couldn't make it today or something. And you're just like, I can't rely on them. So I'm being abandoned again or something. So true. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. It's such a good question because. I feel like it's kind of a loaded question. A lot of the times in reaction to like being taken advantage of so much and having all of that like pain and resentment and none of it like really being like touched on or healed or talked about, we end up doing like the complete opposite, right? And we end up being like really avoidant. We don't need anyone. We don't want anyone. Even when we like the first sign, the first smell, the first sensation that somebody's not acting right, like we fucking bounce. Right. <laughs> And we think that's power. And I totally get that part. I think in my own experience, I used to think of like ride or die as like you put up with fucking everything and you have to stay with the same people your whole life. And I think, especially friendship wise, I had found like, I was searching for like a family, right? So I put so much of like my, like my desire of that in them. And so I, my whole life, I was always putting up with so much shit, right? And because I thought, I mean, I'm sure they were putting up a shit for me too, but my, from my perspective, because I thought that that was right. And I got to a point where I was getting like betrayed, like left and right, left and right, right? Like these people that I put so much time and energy into when the time came for them to be a friend to me, like they didn't show up. So I remember like feeling so angry and upset about that. And in reaction, I just like kind of cut off connection with everything. Right. And I can say part of that is to like to heal and to find clarity and to figure out like, what the fuck am I going to, where am I going to go from here? I didn't trust myself to not make somebody my whole world. I didn't, I had to really get to know myself. Because my view of friendship and my view of love and my view of loyalty was so fucked up that the, I wasn't even like loyal to myself, right? So it was like I was expecting people to be loyal to me when I was not loyal to me. And that was hard pill to swallow because I was like, I can't expect people to respect my boundaries. I'm not respecting my own. I say I want all of these things and I, and I like to have these big ideas, but like I have nothing to show for that right? And there's no consequences if somebody like doesn't respect me, you know, 
outside of my friend group, I would like cut people off. Right. But that was a defense, like a coping mechanism. But my point being is I had to get to know myself so much and I had to truly understand how much codependency was playing out in my life. I was so conditioned to think that somebody else's life, their problems, everything they were going through was my responsibility. And I was so hellbent on making things right for them. And I was like, I'm such a good friend. I'm such a good friend. I'm such a good friend. Right. And I can understand my intention is pure, but the whole time I was doing that, it was, first of all, I was attracting people who were used to somebody doing that for them. Secondly, it was a way for me to avoid my own stuff. Right. So I, I let, I like made other people my whole life to distract me from my own work and distract me from my own dreams, right? Because I didn't feel worthy of them. So if I can make your dreams come true, like that's the next best thing. It took me a period of time because I was like, right? I'm so fucking tired of it. I was, I don't want to be friends with anybody, especially women. I was like, I don't want to be friends with them. They always just want something from me. It's okay to walk away from something. But I think, and you touched on this, it's like, there's a difference between investing in somebody and spending time with them. And there's a conflict and you walk away because you want to avoid the conflict, right? Or like you are coming up with your own story about like their point of view without having a conversation, right? Because you don't want to feel pain. You don't want to hear the truth or whatever you're avoiding. That I think is unhealthy, right? It's because a way to protect ourselves and it's ineffective, right? When it's like, if we're going to spend time and energy investing into somebody, it's through those moments of standing in the fire asking for clarity, being humble enough to hear somebody else's perspective, being vulnerable enough to share our own, that we really grow and connect, right? Like, cause we're all essentially like mirrors of each other and we're here to like help the other person grow. But I also think there is a point where like sometimes, and I think this came with, I had zero security in this. So I had to develop this skill of like knowing the difference between I'm avoiding this, I'm resisting this because I don't trust versus we just don't have the same value system it's shared values over shared trauma, right? Like in my main focus now moving forward, when it comes to like boundaries and friendships and relationships, it's like, how do you treat yourself? Like, how do you treat your body? How do you treat your life? Like, do you respect your word? Like, are you in integrity? Do you say, are you reliable? Do you do what you say you're going to do? Right? Like, those are the main things. Like, those are huge things, right? Where I want to know up front, how do you handle conflict? If we disagree, are you just going to walk out and throw a fit? and expect like the next day, like nothing happened. Right. But I had to build that sort of system and agency within myself. Those are my boundaries, right? I have to protect my peace. I have to protect like my investment, you know, which is like my heart and my mind and my soul and my commitment, which is valuable. Right. So there's so much that goes into it that I had to really become the expert of me, which is what my program really is about. It's like getting to know yourself. Like, what do you want? How do you want to feel? in every area of your life. So then you can communicate that up front. So it's not, you're not just hanging out with people because there's shared trauma there. And there's some like silent agreement because you guys have been through shit. Like fuck that. Right. Cause there's so much pain there. And it's just like, you're just continuing the same cycle. Right. It's like, let's get to know ourselves. Let's take a step away and develop that system. Like, what do you want? How do you want to be treated? How do you want like the, you know, your person to manage money? You know, what type, like you feel worthy of everything, have those conversations up front. So then when you have that temptation to run or fight or flight in the future, you're like, you have that mindfulness of like, I understand I'm going through this. I understand I feel threatened, but this person loves me and chooses me, you know, and I choose this person every day and I want to work through this. Like if I need to take a second, I'll come back in a few minutes, but like 
creating that sort of mindfulness and agency within you where you can work through with yourself. And it's like mothering yourself, right? We mentioned that earlier to get through those moments. I think before you get there, it's just a lot of like pain fighting back and forth, right? It's either super avoidant personality who walks out and the super anxious personality who like panics and oh my God, what are they doing? Are they cheating on me? Are they doing this? Are they lying? Or, you know, we just freak out because that's our tendency, right? We don't want to be left. We fear that rejection when it just doesn't have to be like that. I have my own back. If something doesn't feel right, I'm going to ask about it or I'm going to talk about it, you know? And if I don't like the answer, I give myself the permission to walk out or I give myself the permission to ask another question, right? And feeling worthy of just being that thorough, I think like kind of eliminates any other drama in my opinion. So I do like that you touched on, you don't want to be an expert on narcissism Mm -hmm. because what we do has nothing to do with the narcissist as what you were saying. So we want to be an expert on ourselves and you want to be an expert on people learning to understand who they are and how understanding yourself will lead to everything else that you desire in your life. Yes. I mean, I think it's great to be an expert on narcissism, but I feel for me, it's like, I'm just the expert on my experience. Right. And coming from a background where both of my parents were like that. Right. I didn't, you know, I know everyone else has a different family dynamic, but coming from that background and feeling how I felt and living life the way that I led it and treating my body the way that I did and treating everything the way that I did to get to this point. Like, it's like my, it would be a disservice, right? If I did all of that work and I'm not sharing it, it's a disservice, right? And none of what I did was because of what I know about narcissism, right? I had to understand it because I needed clarity on why my mom was like that, right? right? And that was super relieving, but it was like, I, you, we can get, we like go from one obsession to the next, right? When it comes to like all of that information, it's like the five signs to avoid this, all of this to, you know, it's just like fear-based in my opinion. And while I understand it can be comforting at the same time, it's just like, it keeps you in that, like, that's all you fucking think about where it's like, yes, I had a, a shitty mom and I had a shitty dad, but, and so much of that has gotten me to where I am now, where it's like, Yes, I, I want to teach women how to get from point A to point B. Essentially, like, fearful, confused, full of, sh- like, guilt, full of shame, paralyzing inner critic to ultimate freedom, right? Mm-hmm. Freedom in their words. But it's like, so much of my life now has nothing to do with narcissism. It's just like, yeah, of course, that's my background. But I just feel like it's all about knowing yourself and understanding yourself and really just giving yourself the permission to be, have a separate identity, right? It's like, we're daughters of narcissistic mothers. It's like, no, like why it's just like that alone. It's like, sure. It's true in statement, but at the same time, like we're so much more than that. I love in our past interview that you brought up how it's similar to shootings. When you see a shooting, it's all about the person that, you know, whoever was doing the shooting in the school, it's not about the people that were like the traumatized. Yes. It's so true. I mean, thank you for bringing up that point. I totally forgot that I said that it's, it's true. Like we don't think of the victims, how difficult it is. I think, especially when it comes to toxic mothers, we're so resistant on the truth. Right. And I was too, because I felt like a piece of shit. Like I have one mom my whole life. and I'm really going to say these things about her. I really feel this way about her, but it was like, I had to come to terms that, it wasn't about me. Right. And how long was I going to take the hit for her by keeping this a secret? 
right? I was just like taking the beating over and over and over again. And I was totally suffocating like my own life source, right? Because of her feelings were more important to me where I had to start understanding that I do that. And the more I stay silent and the more I don't talk about it, even though like, especially when I first started talking about it, like, oh, I thought it, everyone thought it was normal, right? So many women have reached out to me and they're like, I just thought it was normal, right? You don't talk about your mom like that. Where I had to realize the more that I did that and the more that I stayed silent and I put her feelings before my process, the more I enabled. I had to stop learning lessons for her over and over and over again, right? Because I was good at that. I was good at learning lessons for other people because I didn't trust them with their own emotions which is why I attracted people who didn't know how to manage their own frustration. They didn't know how to manage adversity. And I was upset when it would happen and they would freak out or whatever, but I would take the pain. I would take the hit. Right. And I ended up just caring so much for other people because I didn't trust them. Especially if you grew up religious, you can have a perspective based on the 10 commandments about how you have to honor and respect your parents. It's so true. And we're so conditioned to think that we have to have certain things, right, in order to live a full life. I mean, I was there too, right? I like, was hell-bent on having that relationship with my mom, even though I didn't even like her, right? I was hell-bent on saving her, hell-bent on making sure her life was together, hell-bent on that she never felt any pain. Lorelai and Rory. Right. You want that sort of like friendship, right? And I think it's romanticized a little bit. And I've seen, you know, I've gotten to the point where I'm like, I can see daughters and mothers now. And I'm like, that's great that is great. Be that example, right? Your, you know, your family line doesn't have that, right? Or at least from my perspective, that's fantastic. Where now I'm just like, in my own experience, I was like, I can't keep saving her because I'm hurting me where I had to let go of like what I thought I should want. Right. Of course. I mean, no one wants, like, doesn't want, no one wants this type of relationship with their parent. Right. I don't think it's like an ultimate desire. Like, would it be nice to like, have a loving parent to call to like talk. I don't even know what the, I have zero idea what that's like, but I'm sure it's fucking great. Right. But if the longer I hold out and like wishful think that things are going to change and that I have to like behave a certain way in order to receive certain, like, you know, positive feedback from like this higher power, it's just like, you know, where I was like, I mean, it's just so much more fulfilling to be honest, even though it's painful, even though people don't like it, even though it can be misunderstood. It's like, we have to start giving ourselves this space. Like, do you know how hard it is to overcome that? To overcome the pain? Yeah, and there's actually, I'll link it here. There's a man that I would love to interview at some point. He goes over how we don't understand, like I know we're not talking religious in the Bible, but we misinterpret things in there, how we're supposed to live in pain, and that's not really what God wants. And we just subject ourselves to all this pain, thinking that we're honoring our parents by doing that. But God wants us to honor ourselves. And that's like something religious or not, that's something that we should be doing. Yeah, totally. And I think it's just surrendering to like what you think your life should have been or what you think your life should be and understanding you can't do the work for two people. It's really hard to give up on that though, you know, because we're taught to want what we, you know, to want that, to want that amazing relationship with your mom or your dad and to have this amazing family and great holidays and all of these things, right? And we feel like losers if we don't have that. And you see the advertisements all the time on what happiness is and you don't see all the negative emotions, but we have to hold space for that. Yeah, totally. And I think it's just like living a lie. And even though you don't want to see it that way, it's just like wishful thinking is not living. And I think it's just the reality. And it also, it's so important if we're going to change, like if we're going to break generational curses and if we're going to do things differently with our own children, we got to be in reality. 
you know, otherwise we're either going to, in my personal opinion, I don't have children. I'm not an expert on this, but I feel like not saying that you will recreate it specifically, but more so like we either become, we don't want them to feel any pain, right? We become like these like helicopter parents, right? We want to protect them from everything. Right. And we don't teach them how to like manage emotions, right? It's like, or, you know, we just panic all the time and we doubt ourselves and we're not present in our lives. Right. And we just are, our, our fears, like, cause I don't want to be like her. Right. Right. And we, and then we end up like keeping that relationship for the children. It just becomes a mess. Right. Where I feel like it really is about like, you've got to just be in the truth, even though it's like, it's not always pretty and it's not rainbows and butterflies. Like it will get to that point, And I can say that for a fact, but it's like the only way to live, to truly live and to live a life that you want to like feeling free, not feeling restricted because of this label or like, I'm mean, I'm cold hearted because I don't like my mom. Right. You know, it's okay. Like she doesn't like me either. You know, like, that's (laughs) (laughs) right. And that's okay. And I'm not saying that, like, I'm not throwing my own mom under the bus, but it's just like, we're better apart. And that's the reality. Like we have lessons we both needed to learn. And the longer I held out and just kept, kept trying, like I was learning, like I was interrupting her process, you know, not because I'm like at the hands of God or the universe, but more so like she has her own shit to learn, you know? And if I keep protecting her, if I keep saving, you know, in her process, what she needs to feel, what she needs to face, if she does, she does. If she doesn't, she doesn't, right? I'm not in charge of that, which is like separating the codependency, but more so like we're here now in this like physical realm to learn what we need to learn. Right. And I just, I'm was ready to learn it and it had to be separate and that's just the way it was designed. Right. I mean, it was fucking painful, but it was definitely the right decision. No, I really love that. Cause we went over that in the Akashic records class that I took, how some relationships just, they have to end because we're just toxic for each other. We're not going to help each other grow. We're going to keep repeating cycles. So that's okay. The main thing I think is like detaching your worth to their inability to show up, right? right? Which is why we stay in relationships with toxic men or toxic women or in toxic jobs, right? Because we're like, they don't want to change for me. So I'm going to do whatever I can because then I'll be worth it, right? Then they'll be better, right? And we don't understand that it has nothing to do with like your lovability, your likability, your worthiness. It has everything to do with their comfort level, what they're willing to face, like what they're willing to feel in order to truly be available to your experience, right? Without you having to compromise or shine less or have to like keep things secret, right? And I think it's just that attachment to that behavior that like, that means I'm not good enough. My mom must not care about me is where we stay stuck, right? That's where the suffering is, is that sort of attachment to that behavior when it, it it's just, it is what it is, right? They don't want to do their work and that's okay, but you do. So like, you're like, it's just, you're on different paths, right? And relationships is the same thing. So I skipped over two things earlier. I wanted to ask you, Mm -hmm. so I think you kind of touched on it, how you feel about being a mother someday. I've always had a natural maternal instinct, but I will be honest with that has come a lot, a lot of fatigue in my life because I've always, always, always have put others before me. And this is my opinion. I essentially was like my mom's mom always, you know, I was the one helping her through things. I was the one, you know, the liaison between her and my dad when they were in an argument and helping her with her emotions and her work relationships and all of that. She was like my, my main priority. Right. And I was conditioned to think that I've always loved to like be that person for somebody else, like that sort of problem solver and reliable system support system where, and while I still am that 
it would, I mean, it's been, it was exhausting. Right. And I just like, I had to get to where now, of course, I can't wait to be a fucking mom. I can't wait. But that also requires me to like be, well, in my version of the life that I want to find like a super like sexy, emotionally intelligent husband, which has yet to happen. But I'm also very unavailable to that. And not because I'm hiding or because I don't want to feel anything. It's just like, I'm really, really loving being with myself for the first time in my life. And I'm also like physically healing from my experience and really just allowing myself the opportunity to not be committed to so many different people at once. And it's understanding like how I want to operate in the future and developing my own independence where before I'm a, you know, I'm a twin, right? So, and my sister and I, we were very enmeshed. And we were basically seen as one person. So I've always had somebody else around. I've always had somebody else that I had to think about. And my mom, like her thought process and how she felt about everything was like my compass. Where now I'm just exploring like what it's like to, especially being an entrepreneur, like trusting my own judgment, trusting my own intuition. How do I like to spend my time? Like, you know, do I like me time? Do I not like me time? Like, where do I recharge? Like now I'm not being so available. And I think, for me personally, I can't wait to be who I wish I had. But I also know, like, I'm in no rush to fill that void. I'm in no rush to, like, prove a fucking point. Um, when it happens, it's going to happen. And I know I'm going to be great at it. But I also know it's going to be really hard, right? Because, I'm, I mean, you're a mother. So you have, I mean, you know exactly what I'm talking about in terms of, like, you don't want to fuck up. You don't want to cause any pain or you do, you just want to be perfect enough, right? Cause you don't want them to ever go through what you're going. I can imagine that I want to say, I want to be really ready. Cause I know like you're never truly ready until you go through it, which makes a lot of sense, but I'm just like not in a position where I want to worry about somebody else right now, but I'm so, I'm so, 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 so excited to like exercise that muscle and to be that resource. And then to also be an example to them in terms of like it doesn't matter where you've come from it doesn't matter like what you have gone through like you can create your own reality and I think for me now like after our last conversation and now like that's the most important thing if I can empower my children to like think on their own and to like truly 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 trust themselves and then also to like have such a healthy relationship with my husband that well if I have boys or girls I have no idea like but my children can have an example of healthy love you know, and then that's what they're going to carry out into the world. And that's how they're going to treat other people. And that's going to be their standard for what they will receive, right? And healthy conflict and problem resolution, right? Like there, I want to be that example. And it's because it's not just about like me being a mother and me feeling like I got to, you know, I'm doing what my mom didn't do to me, right? That's one thing I'm sure. But it's such a bigger thing for me. It's like being able to offer someone the full experience of physical needs, emotional needs, opportunity, right? That they don't have to like slave for, that they don't have to like start life out in debt or they don't have to like, I don't have, they don't have to live through me, right? Where I've, I want to be at a point where I'm like, I have done so much for myself where I don't have resentment, where I don't feel like I've missed out on anything or sacrificing anything. I want it to be a full on choice, right? Like I'm choosing to be a mother. I'm signing up for this role and this responsibility, right? It's some, I'm so, so excited for it in the future. You talked about it before. You were talking about how you can kind of helicopter. And I, I'll be honest, I did do that in the beginning. And then yeah, I, sure. I caught myself. And I started doing things we talked about in our last interview about how I notice when my son's upset, I don't just say, you know, be quiet, like stop, it's okay, it's fine, and stuff like that. I acknowledge that he's upset, and that's okay. And I let him know that. 
you're sad right now. I add an identity to whatever the emotion is and you're allowed to feel that. And mm, I, like I love that. that. And then I also have where I didn't have someone that stood up for me when I was a kid. It was always um, whatever was going on. We went along with it. We didn't talk about it later. Like I had a cousin that actually like choked me at one point. It's extreme to be just talking about that right now, but it is what it is. Right. So we didn't talk about it in the family afterwards. And it was just pretending like it never happened. So I don't do that with my child. If something happens, I stand up for him. Like we go to Billy Bees and some guys like, like there's a thousand balls there. And this older guy is like, can I have those balls he's playing with? Like, that doesn't make any sense. You just say no, like, cause otherwise your child looks at you and is like, so my needs and wants aren't important. And that's not true. So no matter true. how small it is, you have to make sure that you're showing them that your needs and wants are important. So sure, it's just little balls right now that can become relationships later on. It, it can become so many other things where they're just like, well, my stuff isn't important. It's, you know, feeding into whatever other people want. Yeah, totally. I love that you said you help him identify the emotion when he's upset because I feel, I mean, it's just developing his emotional intelligence, which I, I feel my own personal experience I did not have, especially as like an adolescent and teenager, where as an adult, when, when someone mentioned anxiety, I was like, I've never experienced, I have no idea what you're talking about. Not realizing that I was full of anxiety. I, it was my normal, right? I had zero idea, but I never had that opportunity with someone who was like, sat with me, worked through it, helped me identify it, helped me like develop tools or gave me the space to just like be where I was. So I think that is like alone is such a loving decision to make and to help him like work through it. And then also in moments of like standing up for him and encouraging him to like, it's okay to want what you want. Like, it's okay to say no, you know, or let's talk about what happened. Like you don't deserve to go through something like that. You know, like let's figure out like how we can solve this issue or whatever. I feel like it just helps them to know, like if you feel like your parent has your back, I can imagine like the world is just limitless. Right. But if you've experienced betrayal from a parent at such a young age, and if your parents can treat you like that, like what would encourage you to trust anybody else? Right. So just being that like reliable, solid resource is like so fantastic in my opinion. Thank you. And it's exactly what you said. It's that self-trust is created by trusting your reference point, whoever that is, your guide in life. I like how you touched on sacrifice. That was a huge question that we went from to your, and I love the sacrifice one. It really, it really made me think and it really clicked for me. Um, so realization, I was choosing to sacrifice myself still and seeing that now in my life, it was just mind blowing. So now it's going from that to choosing, I can sacrifice for myself and not others all the time. So little sacrifices, like we talked about the Amazon, like that's something I can do for myself. It doesn't have to be like, oh, well, I have money right now. I got to spend it on my son or my husband. I can put it away for myself. I can have goals. That's okay. So a certain so I wanted to ask you, was there a certain sacrifice you made that caused you to add these questions in or... Um, like just the actual question on sacrificing. So we're just conditioned to think we have to sacrifice, right? We have to give up something in order to be loved or, you know, in that behavior, obviously there's some sort of secondary gain, right? If you're choosing to sacrifice or if you choose not to say something or you choose not to ask for what you want, you're hoping to get some sort of acceptance or validation out of it, right? Or you're avoiding rejection of some sort. 
right? So you, and then you, with the shitty part is you end up like feeling like shit after once you've sacrificed, you don't feel good about yourself. So I think it was more of like just opening up the idea of like, do you see yourself doing that? Why do you think you do that? And do you like, do you see another way of like receiving what you want to receive, which essentially is like love and acceptance, right? Like, do you see another, what is a healthier way of receiving that? Like truly receiving that and most likely, you know, it would lead to like the relationship with yourself, right? Whatever you're looking for that you think you have to behave, like it most likely can come from within. What was it like first owning your own freedom, choosing yourself? It was very weird. It was very unfamiliar. It was like I hadn't worked out in 20 years and I was like getting ready for a marathon. Like that sort of like, so like building that muscle, it was just, I knew that I wanted that. I had no idea that that was really going to be like where I ended up, especially now. I think it just came with a series of decisions of like doing what I knew was the right thing. Like walking away from a relationship that I didn't want to walk away from. For it's an example, I would have done anything to like erase like the reality of it. And just following through with that, um, that alone in the months after that, you know, taught me that how I want to feel matters and that choosing myself matters and choosing that decision really helped me to develop my independence. I will say that I didn't need anyone to agree with me. And I was waiting for people to agree with me. I was waiting for people to tell me I made the right decision. Right. And nobody was offering that feedback. And probably in design, right? But in that, I was able to really like own that decision, right? And now I can look back and I'm like, God, it fucking sucked, right? And that's just one specific example. But that decision, I would not be the woman I am today, right? And it's really taught me to like, sometimes we have to make decisions that we don't want to make, but it's really about staying committed to your vision, right? And staying focused on like how you want to feel and not budging on that. And I think, once we can really, because it's one thing to say that and it's another thing to implement the things that we want, right? And in moving through that implementation period of when it's really uncomfortable and when we want to fold to temptation and like bend and compromise, if we can get through that, I mean, the type of like muscle you build and the type of clarity and security in your own decision making, it's like just the freedom to be able to say, this is how I feel. And I'm not needing anyone else to be like, that's right or wrong. That's a good decision. That's a bad decision. Even if I receive that feedback, it does nothing for me anymore. I mean, I can be open to feedback, but it's my choice to be open to it now. We're just truly owning like my own thoughts and owning that like my decisions. Like I trust myself to make the decisions because I made something like that. I mean, truly owning, it's not just physical freedom, right? It's really freedom of the mind is what we all want, right? The freedom to like think what we want, want what we want, feel what we want and believing that like it's the truth is like so, so, so major. So I think just that journey alone has taught me like, I was right all along. I trusted my intuition and I've built that relationship with myself Or, I mean, if you could trust yourself, like you're not afraid of anything, right? You're not afraid of people fucking you over. You're not afraid of getting taken advantage of. You're not afraid of being manipulated because you just know, right? You'll be able to navigate that. So I think that's like the biggest thing that's come from like truly owning my freedom of expression, standing in my power and just trusting my decision-making. At what point in your journey did you realize that you needed to choose self-love? I remember this exact moment too. I had just gotten into a really, really shitty, huge, massive argument with my mom, which would happen once a week, every other week, right? Um, It was about something super 
stupid built up resentment that she had about something or it was about like her needing more from me and it was just toxic right and I remember because those fights happen often right which I'm sure you can relate but whenever the steam would like you know the anger would wear off I would go back into the cycle right and I would forget and I would hope and I would get caught up in the wishful thinking and I remember this was this was god like two, three, no, not two, like three, four years ago after an argument. And I said to myself, and this is like a piece of advice I want to share with anyone who's stuck in situations like this. I said to myself, do never forget how you feel in this moment. And like, for some people who like, don't have that type of memory, like write it in your notes on your phone. Like whenever you feel like bending on what you want, like type out and then just type out exactly how you feel in that moment to remind yourself this is the result every time. And I remember thinking to myself in this moment, and I was like, don't forget, don't forget, don't do it again. Don't bend, don't compromise, don't pretend, stop engaging, right? And it was then that I, it was so crazy. And I didn't realize it then, it was then I took my power back, right? Because I took my reactivity away from her. I stopped engaging. I stopped talking about the dumb shit. I stopped people pleasing her. And it was painful, really, really painful, especially like physically, like separating that codependence. But I, I mean, for a period of time, I used that like anger piece to move through it, to survive because I was like, I had to stay with her for a period of time for her financially, because it was something that I, I mean, financial abuse is a whole other thing. We could talk about that for hours, but I just used that anger piece to survive in that moment because I couldn't keep getting hit. I couldn't keep going through that. I couldn't keep losing my shit and then not having motivation or energy for anything else in my life. Right. Because I was just like getting so upset and so worked up and it took so much time for me to come back to my normal. I had no desire for anything else. Right. Which is where like the escapism comes from and like engaging with other people who are not good for me. Cause I just wanted to feel something different. But my point being is that it was in that moment that I was like, I didn't even think of it as self-love. I thought of it as protection. And I was so mad at myself. Cause I was like, you keep compromising. You've done this for years. Like stop fucking doing it. Like you've got to learn your lesson. And I think it was just in that moment where I was like, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how sad it is, no matter how painful it is, no matter who you fucking disappoint, don't forget how angry you are because it is not worth it. This is what happens every single time. And I think that was like the major moment for me where I was like, it's time to do things a lot differently. But how do you see yourself now versus then? Oh my God. (laughs) Oh my God. So different. I almost like, I have so much compassion for who I used to be, which is a real game changer because I had so much shame for my behavior and so much shame for my decision-making that I'm so much more valuable than I ever thought I was. I've always been valuable. You know, I'm not just valuable now because I have clarity. I'm so much like, I'm so worthy of what I want. I'm so, I just see myself in such a positive, like, like I just, I will never fold on that. Like such like, how do I say this? Like such solid foundation within me that like, even when my moments that are tough, even when I want to quit or I want to cry and break down, it's just like, I have built such a like loving relationship with myself that I know it's like, I just know what I need. Right. And I'm so patient with myself and so loving where before I was just like, you're a loser, you're pathetic, 
get over it. Stop feeling what you're feeling. You need to go do this or go do that or go people please that person and check in with that person. You need to be here and you need to overcompensate where I was just so brutal with myself because I just saw myself as never good enough, you know, and I just like punished myself mentally all the time. Like even when I would accomplish certain things, it was never enough. And I was always striving for more and I was always disappointed by everybody. And I was just like very unhappy because it was really just how I saw the world. Right. And it was how I saw, I just, nothing was ever enough, which is obviously conditioning where now it's like, of course those things come up, but I just see myself as like, it's all for a purpose. I can get through this. Like you're a fucking superstar. Like, and it sounds cheesy sometimes, but like we have to be our own, like, we have to be our own biggest advocate. I can't expect other people to like root for me and see the good in me if I don't see the good in me. You know, I think we also like have developed this false humility in terms of like, I can't be proud of myself because it'll make somebody else feel uncomfortable. I can't say like, I'm fucking amazing or I'm doing all of these things or I've developed all of these things or I'm chasing a dream without worrying someone else is going to get upset or they're going to be mad about it or they're going to judge me or they're going to try to sabotage me. Before I would shine less to alleviate everyone else's insecurities because I was surrounded by a lot of insecure fucking people that I thought were together and that I would, I thought I was the loser, right? And they were doing me a favor when really it was, I was around a bunch of people who only wanted me to do just as well as them and never, you know, I could never be better than them, right? Or quote unquote better or achieve other things. I couldn't win if they weren't winning, right? Where now it's like, I'm learning like that's false humility to keep me from like truly standing in my power. I think allowing, giving myself the permission to just really own the work I've done, really own the woman that I've become has changed everything. Never forget how you feel in this moment that really hit home for me. And I can still use that. I know now because there's still, you know, moments where you're allowing something, but then how do you really feel right now? Does this really agree with who you are? Totally. And I think, yeah, because when we get lonely, you know, we have temptation. We want that connection, right? Or we, you know, we get caught up in like our desires that we forget the evidence, right? We overlook it. We kind of like throw out the case files in that moment because we want what we want only to be delivered that same result. And we're just like, we go through it all over again. I never thought about this, honestly, but it's not just that the narcissist future fakes us, but we also future fake ourselves, oddly thinking that this is going to equate to something else later on. Like we talked about mothers, we're going to have that mom that we want if we keep doing this cycle. And it's not true. We already know the outcome, as you've said. Um, Just going back to what you said with the never forget how you feel in this moment. So why would you think you're going to feel any different? But that like self-inventory, like that honesty is so, so, so brutal. Because especially when you've been told, like, say, for example, you're in a conversation with your mom or your boyfriend or whatever, and you're just like, I would really love for you to be this. And then they're like, but you're this. That's why I'm not that. Right. That sort of gaslighting. Right. And that convinces you like you're not enough. You need to do more in order to be delivered. Essentially, kindness right, is all we really wanted from our mothers. My point being is that so you hold on and you perform and you perform and you perform right? You'll get nuggets of like rewards, right? To keep you satiated, to keep you in that sort of cycle, but you'll never fully get what you're looking for, right? Because it's all about control. They can't deliver it, right? But they don't, I don't even like, I can't speak for their mindset, but I feel like it's just that possibility is very intoxicating. You will stay hooked like a motherfucker, right? And it's just the truth. It's like human nature. Like you have the possibility to win a million dollars if you do this survey, like you're going to spend 30 minutes doing a survey, right? It's like that intoxicating possibility. If 
my mom is going to give me what I want if I do this, if I behave this, if I give her this amount of money or whatever it is, like you're going to do it. And I think it's just that pattern interrupts, which this is where I feel like the support is so important, right? It's like during that transitional part where you're like, it's almost like leaving the shell of a human here and you're like reaching for this like new identity where you like need that sort of like how you mentioned earlier, that clarity and grounding to remind you of like, this is a fantasy. And it's, first of all, it's miserable, right? In fantasy, we like to interpret it as like the best of everything, but like, it's a miserable fantasy because it's, and you're, and especially as we become grown women, if we really look at it, how long are we going to wait for somebody to choose us when they can't even choose themselves? You know, they're not loyal to their own vision. They're not loyal to their own word. How are they going to respect yours? You know, where I feel like the support at that moment is so crucial because we want what we want and we will do anything to get, especially as women, empathetic women, especially. I mean, that type of honesty is like not for the faint of heart, which I know that you have it, right? You're so willing to look at your own stuff and willing to Mm -hmm. see like, I understand where this is coming from. I don't like how I feel here. And I understand where this is coming from. You're so willing to see your part in it, which is powerful, but not everybody is willing to do that. And I think that's a fucking requirement because you have to see where you're at cause for your reality. Like that's, I mean, essentially what NLP is, which is it like the language of the mind. You have to be at cause because if you're not at cause, you're just in like victim mode. And then you're waiting for someone else to give you what you're looking for. It's so much more empowering to be like, I've asked for this. This is a standard I'm setting. You can't deliver on that. And that's okay. But I'm going to choose to walk away instead of it's going to get better. Next time she's going to be better. I know she's going to do this or I know he's going to do that. He really cares about me. And we, you know, we manipulate the truth so much to like fit this picture that we want. I mean, it's really painful too. Like it doesn't have to be that hard. It's just, I think before you interrupt that pattern, before you see and it with a different lens, like you just don't know. You just keep fighting and fighting and fighting for something. And then before you know it, you're like in your 60s and you're like, I spent my whole life doing that. Those moments and in those weeks of building that and like staying so committed, I just started to like really working on like seeing my mom objectively instead of seeing her as like, she hates Amanda. It was more of like, she's a human having an experience. And it didn't take away or like, forgive like everything that had happened. Like I, I wasn't even at that point yet. I think it just mentally, I needed to detach from her behavior, meaning anything about who I was, because that's what kept me so like stuck in that cycle. And um, like, so stuck in the loop of like for every two good days, there's five bad days. And just always like thinking that things were going to get better. And then they never would. So I think just staying committed to my vision is what caused it. And then just choosing to be like, you know, it's really hard to say it's not about me when you're constantly living it and you live in the same house with that person. Um, so I understand like, I mean, it's, that alone is really hard, but, um, I just, I knew it. I was like, I have to like, stop letting my rage get to me. I need to stop letting my emotions control me because it would get me to a point where then I would lash out. And then I'd be so tired from the arguing that then I would compromise and then I would fold and then I wouldn't stay committed to what I said that I wanted. So I think it was just truly like, I was like, I just have to detach and just start seeing her as a human having an experience. And that doesn't mean I have to tolerate it. It just doesn't mean anything about me either. No, I love that. And you're making me think about how when we have an issue with someone, we tend to also have an issue mentally going on. We have fights that we create also in our minds. Mm -hmm. Or worse. Yeah, totally. And also you're talking about 
detaching and creating your own identity, which is so difficult to do and so difficult oh, to own. It's so difficult. And so what is for you a definition of a narcissist? I know there's so many out there. I feel like not all of them fit, especially with the media right now. They just mm. fit, you know, someone that really loves themselves. Honestly, I feel like it's the opposite. What do you feel? Oh, I totally agree with you. I think in my own experience, like I really try to like stay away from the labels and I understand like in the beginning of everyone's healing journey, it's so like relieving to read something that like you can like mentally comprehend. And I think it also like, it's almost like a justice in a small form to be like, I know what's wrong with you and I know who you are and I know what role you play and I understand all of these things. And it's kind of like an ego thing, at least from my perspective. So I try to like, I don't want to live my life like you're a narcissist because of this, 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 or, you know, and have these like calculated examples. I think the biggest thing for me is like toxic is toxic. I don't really see it as a spectrum, right? For me, it's like same thing with abuse. Like it's not like, oh, it's just a little bit of abuse. If it was more then it would be bad. It's like, there's no spectrum. It's just wrong. Right. So for me, it's really just an indication of somebody who like lacks empathy and a true understanding, like outside of their own experience. I feel like that's like the biggest thing for me. Like for someone that like just can't possibly see or can't possibly listen without like making somebody else wrong, without like needing someone else to be wrong in order to be right. And but I totally agree with you in terms of like the self-hatred. I think that's like, I mean, that's the whole thing, right? Like they hate themselves so much or they like despise themselves so much that they project it. And it's so difficult to understand, especially if you're a child of in a narcissistic home because you're like how could you treat your child like that but it's just so much bigger and it's just like when you're at war with yourself you obviously create war externally in terms of like my definition I just think it's flat out like no empathy yeah I think that's true and it's no empathy for themselves too that's the issue like you're saying it's exactly that like they so true as you said it's projecting inner pain by giving pain to others in the form it's that, yes. that odd mirror effect <laughs> yeah totally and I've been a member for your group for a while now. It's been so helpful. Mm, I love that. Thank you for saying that. You're welcome. And you changed the name recently, right? Mm-hmm. I did. How do we find your group now? It's called, um, you can literally just put in the Facebook search, like break up with your mother, semicolon the community. I kind of just wanted to make it like super simple, especially because a lot of people from Instagram like find my name and are like drawn to what I'm talking about. And it's like, like a really quick find, like if I keep the branding consistent. So it's just break up with your mother, semicolon, the community. That is how I found you Instagram now that you remind me. <laughs> oh my God, how funny. I feel like that's how most people do, ironically enough. Yeah, that's really awesome. Obviously, I'm learning a lot bonding with other people there. And then I'm sure you get a lot out of it too. It's not just the people that join. What's, what have you like received from your group, you feel like? be able to show up in a way that is so loving, so nurturing, but so real at the same time. And everything that I've gone through to be able to articulate that and to be able to show support in that way where every single person who steps in there feels like finally seen and heard. It's like so gratifying for me. I never, ever, ever in my wildest dreams thought that like years ago when I was like borderline suicidal on a regular basis would get to a point where I'm like being able to like help other women in our position that to help them stay solution focused, to help empower them, to help, you know, formulate action plans and to just also then bring other people together to create kind of like a sisterhood because so many of us feel so alone and we've been feeling like so shameful 
our whole lives that we don't even feel comfortable expressing it, especially about the relationship with the mother. Like we feel like, you know, the mother does no wrong essentially in society. Right. And as much as we wish that were true, like that's not our, our authentic experience. So to find a group of people who also have like not only similar like pain points, but also like are able to be like, you're not alone. I've totally been in that situation. This applied to me too. And I mean, it goes from like relationship with the body. I mean, like the relationship with the dad, like their own intimate relationships or like friendships. Like there's just so much to be talked about. And so I think that's the most important thing is a, I'm able to like show up and offer support in a way that's like just so encouraging and also to just bring a bunch of women together who finally feel like oh my god and what is your program that you're releasing in april oh my god it was so <laughs> i so, just wonder if we touched on that <laughs> yeah no i would love that okay so i i'm creating a digital course it's more like a group program i'm still trying to figure out if i want it to be like available all the time or if i just want it to be available for like periods of time throughout the year but essentially what it's going to be because I've proven my process with my one-on-one program now, and I still have one-on-one clients. I haven't decided if I'm still going to take them on later. I guess it just depends on how the digital program goes and like that launch and like how people respond. But it's essentially like a more affordable option that's going to be the same process. It's just going to be like delivered. Like it's, how do I say this? Like essentially it'll be delivered weekly. It'll be like a video talking about like a certain topic, say for example, boundaries, right? And I'll share everything I need to share. And then basically the journal workbook that you had throughout the program, like I'll have that and it's more, and then each week it would be like a group setting where it's kind of like a Q and A and we talk about everything, like obviously all virtual, but it's more of like, it's less one-on-one for me, which so I can like price it at a different price point, but I'm going to include more like EFT exercises, which is essentially like, like emotional acupuncture, um, some hypnosis. I'm going to, I mean, I'm just going to like, like fill it a to make it more affordable. And also so I can help more people at a time. Cause I can only, I'm like at a cap space, you know, with one-on-one, like I can't like create another ver- a person like me to like do the same work that I'm doing. So I'm really, really excited about it. I'm thinking it's, well, if I stay on track now, it should be April, 2020, but they, and thank you for asking too. I'll have to share more about that later. Of course. I wanted to find out about it. And that sounds really amazing. Mm. It's going to get more people access. So to heal because people have a hard time um, putting money into themselves and seeing that they're worth it. It's the worth again. So, so, so true. Like we're so willing to like go to Target and spend $150, but we're not (laughs) willing to like see that like your mental health matters, your heart matters, like that we should be investing in that first. And then the rest of, you know, everything else changes. You end up like making more money too at the end of it, which is crazy for me. Like I used to have such a scarcity mindset until I started healing. And then it was like, because it was the way that I saw money. It was the way I saw myself. Like I wasn't open to receiving because I didn't trust myself with money. I didn't trust myself to like, really do anything right so I just like my like energetically I wasn't open until I started healing like financially everything changed too so I think it just starts like within and just having the faith but I totally agree with you that everyone's like a lot of people are hesitant it's like you get you look at like your Amazon like history I'm sure it's way more than like a coaching package at this point yeah, you can even start with, I started doing this recently where it's like, oh, I really want those tarot cards. But then if I decide not to, then it goes in the savings for whatever thing I want next. 
Mm. Fighting something else instead. And that's like kind of, you know, controlling my self-sabotage to spend money on things that I don't really need right now. Yeah. So true. I love that. Like figuring out like your own system and like what works for you and like having your own like thought process and like interview process. Like, do I really want this? Where is this like urge coming from and having a space for that specific money? I love that. Yeah. Cause I learned growing up that love for my parents, it didn't come in um, spending time with each other, but it was from things. So mm-hmm. I tend to fill my life with things. Yes. <laughs> so. Totally. And that's more of an aha right now. Like I always knew that, but I never put the two together that my Amazon list was just me trying to fill myself with love. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so true though. It really is because I feel like so many of us, we almost get like a high right off like, oh yeah, or something and it's like, but do we really? Yeah, it's the truth. Yeah. It's so true. And I think, I mean, my parents are like that too. It was all physical. Yeah, then you're hoarding. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I totally agree. Hey loves, thank you so much for tuning in to me, Amanda White, here on the First Generation Healers podcast. You can find out more about her on Facebook, look up Break Up With Your Mother, also on Instagram, again, Break Up With Your Mother, and also BreakUpWithYourMother.com. She's an amazing resource, she's been an amazing coach for me, and I highly recommend her. So thanks so much for listening, and enjoy your day.